You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A Practical Path to Authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to call in the spirits to join us here on this most amazing day. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine and to all of those who will ever have the chance to listen to this show. I call out to your ancestors as well, for your ancestors are mine and mine are yours, for we are all one human family here at a very critical time of change on this planet. And so I call out to those ancestors, those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into our ancestral lines, those who lived well and died well and stand ready to serve as ancestral helping spirits, to be available for their descendants, to help the living so that we may do what we need to do for those who are coming. So I call out to those ancestors to gather around us here today, especially those ancestors who have lived through a similar time of change, a similar change from one world to the next. I ask those ancestors to be with us well, and in particular, to help us to understand how to do what they wish they had done. So I give thanks for these ancestors for being with us here, for gathering round, and for helping us. And let us take our energy now from our heads down into our hearts, from our hearts down into our bellies, and from our bellies deep down into the earth, and take a moment on this day to give thanks. Thanks for this day. Thanks for life. Thanks for the blessings and the challenges. Thanks for the great beauty, the profound diversity and for all that is possible in a dream that is a dream of love and allows us, because of that, always the opportunity for transformation. So we give great thanks to the earth for her dreaming and the wonder of it that brings life as we experience it here to this planet. We take a moment to give thanks for that miracle. And with gratitude in our hearts, let us reach all the way down to the very center of the earth and draw up the energy of the earth into ourselves into our day, into these proceedings to bring into our awareness today the great wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. We call up this energy and we give thanks for this inspiration to be able to find grounding, create place and home and hearth, to discover our sense of belonging, our sense of connection and interconnectedness and ultimately our oneness with all things. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us through this oneness of all things to come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the invisible world. And we give thanks to the earth for her teachings, ever abundant and ever present. And with the energy of the earth infusing our bellies and drawing the energy up to our hearts and from our hearts up to our heads, let us extend up through the layers of the sky 
out through the weather, out through the atmosphere, and out into the cosmos, and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you name that energy, name it. See yourself within it and it within you and call that energy down. Draw that energy down into your being, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call into ourselves, into our day, the energy of blessing, the great benevolence of this universe, the wisdom of the universe, and the great generosity in this life. And we call down protection and we call down devotion and precision as teachers and inspirers for how we are meant to be in the day. And so we call the energy of the sky realm down, drawing this energy into our head, into our heart and our belly. And we invite the energies of the earth and sky to come together within us, in our head and heart and belly, that they dance together, bringing alive that big love, that dynamic complementary tension between these two energies that gives rise to all things in form. So we give thanks to the big love and we invite it to open our heart. And we call out to the spirit of the heart to be with us here today, to be open, to be full, to be strong, and to be clear. And to open up as the crucible of change that you are, we ask the heart to draw up the great passions of our belly and draw down the crystal clarity of our mind and to draw these energies together in our heart where they may dance and mingle and move in such a way together that they give birth to the third energy that we must know in this life, which is the energy of our soul's true purpose. And may that purpose be born in the awareness of our heart. May we remember our heart path and remember why we are here. And may the heart help us today to defy distraction and to stay focused on this gift we have to bring to the world. And may we find in our hearts the courage to bring it. So we give thanks to these spirits for gathering around us here today. And we give thanks to our listeners who help me to keep this show available to you. I give thanks to all of those people who are able to donate financially to keep the show alive and on the air and free to those who have access to the Internet. So I am grateful to Olivia, to Susan, to Sabine for contributing to the show. And I give um, thanks to Dwayne for his offering of his beautiful poem inspired by one of the shows. I am so grateful to all of you for helping me to do this. I am grateful to you for bringing these teachings into your life and all the emails that you share with me about how you are doing that. I am grateful for those of you that struggle with them and argue in emails and carry on about them. This is being alive. And I thank you all for helping me to feel that much more alive. And I hope that these teachings, if they are meaningful to you in any way, they move you in the heart, that they will move you into some action that helps to strengthen the show in some way to spread its reach, to spread people's awareness of it, to um, help me to pay the bills. Whatever it is that you can do, I ask you to do it so that we together can keep the show alive and well and vital and meaningful to you. So thank you. Thank you all. And for those of you who want to support the show and don't know how to do that, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. And click on the support button. You're welcome to donate any amount, large or small. It's all um, deeply appreciated. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. 
And if you go to my website, because you're more familiar with that, lastmasscenter.org, just click on the banner for the radio show, and that will take you to the show site. So thank you, everyone. Um, we are live this week, and you are invited to call in if you have a question about the show topic, and you can reach us at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Um, or just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to read your question on the air. So today, uh, we are continuing with a series of shows in which I'm journeying to ask the four great teachers of the cosmology that I work in for their wisdom about this time. And so today, we, um, I've gone uh, to gather the wisdom from the teacher, um, which is part three of this four-part series. And this is an astronomical time that we are in. It is astronomy, um, as in the alignment of the planets of the solar system astronomical, but it is also an astronomical time of potential change. There are, there are opportunities in life that I believe we are given the chance where every action we take means more than the single act. And I believe that this time we are moving into of that movement between the worlds, from this one that is ending and the one that is beginning gives us that opportunity of profound release, profound letting go, profound ability to stop those things we wish we were not doing or contributing to in our lives and to move forward in a way that brings birth to those things we wish were more prevalent, were more abundant in our life. And I believe this is such a time, a time where every single act matters much more than we could possibly understand. It is just like the two weeks following a fire ritual, when your actions are worth 10,000 on another day. This is the time we've chosen to live in. And I believe we each chose it on purpose. We chose to be here so that we could do this together. And so I've asked the teachers, these great um, archetypal teachers, to assist us with their wisdom in this time, to focus ourselves appropriately, to seize the moment um, as best we can, given the humble humans that we are. And so it's important to, I, be, I believe personally, that it is important for us to draw our minds and hearts out of um, the chaos of all the many, many stories and agitations that are available to us through the internet and all, all over the place, and to focus on what is before us, that uh, this change has happened to the earth before and it will happen again. It's not about judgment. It's not about right or wrong. It's not even about all the ridiculously stupid things we've done as humans that have contributed to climate change. It's not about that. It's happening because of the earth and her brother, sister planets and the sun around which they orbit. And we chose to be here now. So let us attend to this time as skillfully as we are able, with as much wisdom as we are able, and with as much courage in our heart as we can possibly bring to bear. This is the time we have chosen to be here. So just to review, um, and please feel free to dive into the archives for the shows from this week and last week. And we apologize that last week's show did not air precisely at 11 a.m., but it is available in the archives for those of you who missed it. Um, but we began this journey with the wisdom of the healer and death. And the message was essentially, if we do nothing, the new world will be a lot like this one. 
and we miss out on this time of unprecedented opportunity to transform the way that we are in the world. The healer and death continued that the way we would do this is to grasp that is not just our consciousness that is choosing and manifesting, but it is also our unconsciousness that is choosing and manifesting so that we can see what we are not owning within ourselves. And so the healer and death were saying, kill off those things, clear those things, release those things that cause you to stand separate from yourself and invite those aspects of yourself back in so that you can be whole and your unconsciousness doesn't have such a job to do to get you to see what you're um, endeavoring not to see. And so that was about using our practice as well. So the remedy, uh, so the, yeah, so the remedy that they offered was to do our daily clearing practices, practices um, in the tradition of the mystery schools of all the ages. It doesn't matter as long as it works. Um, and to do these uh, practices, and if they don't clear, move to the next, and on, on, and on until you find the modality necessary, the technique necessary to clear that energy that needs to go so that you do not bring that which you wish was reconciled into the new world. So reconcile it. Do what you must to reconcile those aspects of your life so that you are able to leave them behind and move forward into the new world and fit through that door, as we talked about, that is opening for you in the new world. And this may result for many of you in the need to do ritual. You may be doing more fire rituals than you want to or water rituals, even earth, to release these energies uh, before this particular time of change. And I say, go for it. What better activity could you be involved in right now? Now, granted, there's lots of festivities at this time. Um, however, who do you want to be in the new world? So the question that the healer left us with is, are you ready to step through the doors that will open for you? Will you even recognize them? Will you equivocate, doubt, and stand in fear? And just watch those clo doors close again? Or will you throw yourself through without a worry about your hairdo or what you leave behind? And land on two feet in the new world. Ready to be the man or the woman that you truly come here to be. And this was the message of the healer in essence. And then the warrior continued to speak with us about the true power of action. And how we have lost our understanding of the true power of action in this new agey time where every excuse for non-action is, it's not about what I do, it's about being. Well, you know, those messages about being are wise and they are true, but they were not meant to be used as an excuse for you to not get off your ass and do what you're supposed to be doing. That from a shamanic perspective, being, yes, is essential but we are meant in our lives to do our work. And that involves an actual doing, not just being. That we are here to bring forward a face of the divine that has not yet been seen. So being isn't enough. We must express that beingness, that uniqueness in the world through our actions. So that was basically the message of the warrior. Um, the warrior spoke to us about this true power of action and, and about um, pulling our energy back from serving the wrong master, particularly at this time. And that if we simply pulled our energy out 
of those of those things we do not want to take with us into the new world, they will not be able to cross the gap because they will have no energy. And that was really the message of the warrior to truly understand the power of your actions and the power of your non-action, the power of your willingness to draw your energy out of things you do not value. And the important thing about this was because we have forgotten in this new aginess half message thing about how in, what shamanism teaches us is that it is through our actions that spirit comes to bear in the world. And so it is where we choose to act that our boldness, our action then is joined by spirit and made that much more than we ourselves could do or that much more miraculous than we ourselves could do. And the the important thing that the warrior said, at least I think this was important and crazy woman as well, is that what we have lost is our understanding that it is in our actions that we show the spirit world where our heart truly is. We set our intention in our practices, perhaps, we call in the world we want to live in at, in our altar practice. However, it is in our daily acts of kindness or lack of kindness, our daily acts of slaving away at something that has no meaning for us, that we show the spirit world where our heart really is. And this was the message of the warrior to clean that up, to reconcile that so that we go into the world in a new way with a true understanding once again of the power of our actions. And so the message of the warrior was very simple as is typical of the warrior. And the message of course also contained the remedy which is also typical of the warrior. Do what you know you must do and do nothing else. So this was the counsel of the warrior. So then moving on around this particular medicine wheel, um, I journeyed to the teacher to ask uh, for the wisdom for these changing times. And this also necessitates always a conversation with the trickster who completes the holding of the wisdom of the teacher. Um, But the trickster part's coming later. So focusing on the teacher... It's important to understand in this cosmology who the teacher is. Um, the teacher in this cosmology actually is a composite of um, several, three archetypes in other people's cosmologies. So the teacher in this cosmology, and we you know, understand that we're coming from healer to warrior to warrior to teacher. And so the teacher was really more better understood as as the master in the sense of the master of the dojo, the uh, master sensei. The, the teacher is the one who has mastered the art of the healer and the warrior. And, and because they have followed that journey themselves, they actually have the capacity to teach and to lead. And so I would call it the master But master, the master has so much baggage in our American culture because of our profound history with slavery and the way that continues that the the word isn't really free to use clearly. It has far too much negative connotation. 
And until we um, have cleared that ancestral, um, that unresolved ancestral baggage, um, we really can't use that word. And so we're back to teacher. And so the teacher really speaks of the leader, the person who has walked the journey themselves and thus are capable from their experience. They merit the ability. They, they have the merit and the ability to lead others. So the teacher is leader. The teacher is sovereign. The person who through that journey has come to understand that they are the one uh, to claim power and dominion over themselves. And thus the teacher is also the master. And so the teacher has um, a great scope and scale in this cosmology. And it's important to bring that out in America at least, which is a culture that does not pay its teachers well. So clearly um, it, it shows in many ways from pay to various and other things that we don't really value our teachers very much, relatively speaking. And this is sad, but true. And it would be a lovely thing to change in the new world, actually. Um, nonetheless, the need to explain then who the teacher is in this cosmology. Okay. So the teacher's message began in this way. The biggest challenge for people to understand in the new world will be sovereignty. Sovereignty is supreme power or dominion. Dominion is the power or right of governing. So sovereignty, your sovereignty, is your supreme power to govern yourself, which carries with it your supreme responsibility to govern yourself. Your energy, your thoughts, your choices, your physical health, all, all of these aspects of yourself. So sovereignty... Sovereignty, you know, a king or a queen is a sovereign, and the sovereign is often an archetype in um, other people's archetypal work. And this is where the sovereign fits in this cosmology. It is an aspect, a facet of the teacher. Um, but that doesn't diminish what the sovereign brings as an archetype. What we need to understand is sovereignty. So sovereignty is supreme power or dominion. Dominion is the power or right of governing. So sovereignty is your supreme power to govern yourself. And this is what the teacher is saying we do not understand. So let's be clear. Let's take your physical health, for example. Sovereignty is not the right to be as healthy or unhealthy as you want to. That's just a right. Right. Sovereignty is about your right and your responsibility to govern your life choices so that you are healthy. Because to not be healthy casts burden out on the system. For you to not pick up your power, your right, your sovereignty around your physical health leaves that responsibility to others. Because someone has to do it. It's not, a, there's no non-option. It is a responsibility that exists because you exist. And so sovereignty is the right. It is the power. And with that comes the responsibility to govern. And hopefully to govern well. 
So this is about owning yourself and owning your body and the responsibility that comes with those rights and that power. And this is what the teacher is saying that we don't understand. Well, and it is our great misunderstanding and perhaps to put words in the teacher's mouth, I would say one of the most important things for us to understand and to do fundamentally differently in the new world. So the teacher continues to say that we, humanity, remains confused about sovereignty by our centuries of experience with royalty and religion. The teacher says that the purpose of a great leader is to model leadership, to inspire others through that leadership, to bring their best forward, and ultimately to teach others to lead. So I ask you, is that what royalty has done for us? Not in our past or the Australian past. If you look at our ancestors, American ancestors, yeah, U.S. ancestors and Australian ancestors, um, they were so frustrated with royalty that they were willing to take a very dangerous voyage across an enormous sea to an entirely different continent and start over again, right? So certainly hasn't served us in the past. And what is royalty doing for us now? Well, let's ask the average Arab how he or she feels about that. How do we feel about our current life with the 1% of people that hold the wealth in this country? How, do, how is royalty doing for us now? Our experience with royalty has confused us about the true reality of our innate sovereignty. And I don't think I mentioned that yet. Sovereignty, your sovereignty, every human being's sovereignty is innate to that being. No one can take it. You can be overpowered, but that doesn't mean they have taken your sovereignty. It is innate to you. But the important thing about innate energies is it also doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It's not damaged. It can't be damaged. It is innate to your existence. Okay. So the teacher continued that the purpose of a great religion is to lay out a path to your own divinity, to your own embodied understanding of your divine self as the teacher. So the purpose is not salvation as something other than the salvation that comes from owning your own divinity. The purpose is not enlightenment other than the enlightenment that comes from knowing your own divinity. The teacher instructs us, you must now question any tenet of a religion or a government that sets one human over another based on some category like gender or race or nation. You must question the very foundation of your beliefs that set humans over anything else on the planet or over the planet itself. So we, we must undermine the confusion that has been brought into our understanding, humanity's understanding of sovereignty as an innate energy in every human, we, 
we must undermine that confusion that has come through our experience in this last world with royalty and our experience in this last world with religion. It's not about throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but it's about understanding that the tenets of these things that set one above another must be investigated. So the teacher continues and instructs that you must come to understand that your true merit rises and falls according to the energy of your life. In other words, the energy you coalesce, you manifest, you generate in your life. So your merit does not come from your birth. Your merit does not come from your skin color. The merit, your merit does not come from the believed color of your blood. Your merit does not come from the silver spoon that is or isn't in your mouth at birth. And your merit does not come from the abuse you did or didn't suffer as a child. None of that speaks to your merit. Your true merit rises and falls according to the choices that you make in your life, how you choose to govern your existence, your choices, your thoughts, your heart, your health, your creations in the world, how you choose to use your right and your power to govern yourself. Your sovereignty is innate. And you must understand that your true merit rises and falls according to your actions. And this is the teacher again. So your true merit rises and falls according to your actions, not your beliefs and not your visions. They are not here yet. Your merit has to do with the energy of your life. Your merit comes through your actions. What are you willing to actually do to truly give your life to? So your merit rises and falls according to what you create in the world and what gets created by what you create. So this is the message from the teacher for us to, and the remedy for us to understand um, sovereignty. It's a challenge, in, in essence, for us to understand sovereignty and to look at our lives today and to ask ourselves whether or not we claim dominion over our life, our body, and whether or not we use our innate sovereignty well. Are you, in your own life, relative to yourself, a good leader. Would you follow yourself into the new world? If not, the teacher is asking you to become someone that you would follow into the new world or at least leave behind the parts of yourself you don't want to follow. The teacher is asking us to remember that it will be the sovereignty and our confusion about sovereignty 
that will undermine our mastery and our ability to bring our skills, our heart, our innovation, our creativity to bear in the new world. And what that really boils down to is our belief we don't have the right to do it. Your sovereignty is innate. You have the right and the power to govern yourself. And the value of your life, in other words, what matters to you when you die, will be these things, this merit that rises and falls and the sum total of your actions and what gets created in the world by what you create. You know, I, I love teaching the cycle workshops. It's, a, it's an exquisite expression of my soul's purpose and the teachings that we've been given by spirit that make up the cycle are amazing. And I love doing it. And I believe that it creates good in the world. I see it create good in the world. I have that experience. And it reaches a very, very painfully small number of people. It was even worse when I was dancing, having my soul's purpose reach an even more painfully small circle of people. But my point is, my colleagues ask me all the time, why are you still doing that radio show? You know, it takes so much time and energy for which I am not reimbursed. You know, we're still striving this year to simply pay all the money I pay out to compensate for that through donations. Um, and my colleagues are just like, oh, Christina, why do you do that? You're just giving it away for free, blah, blah, blah. I can't tell you. Actually, I, I, I don't have very many colleagues <laughs> that think doing this radio show is a good idea. It's kind of interesting. But I do it. Because I'm creating this thing, this show, each week. And that I know from the few of you that, well, not the few, but from the number of you that respond to me, I have to trust there's probably 75% more that don't take the time to respond, but are doing similar things. Because that's kind of how people are. About 25% actually take the time to turn around and respond. It takes time to do that. I understand that. But my point is... It's something that I created in the world. It was a risk. It was an unknown. And it's created a lot of good. And I do it because this is what I believe the teacher has been teaching me in all these years that I've been teaching the workshops. Is that it's really important to do the right thing. Because the right thing does even more good in the world than just the thing itself. And so that's really why I do it, honestly. And this is what I believe the teacher is talking about, that if we could understand our innate sovereignty, we would not strive to do things for a value outside of true merit. What matters in the world because it creates more goodness. It feeds someone. It shelters someone. It inspires someone. It cares for someone. It grows corn. That we have moved into a place of insanity, I believe, around value and merit. Because of our confusion, combined confusion, that is rooted in our confusion from royalty and religion. 
There is no reason in the world that a business should not form to create a beautiful product that people need and want. That's beautiful. What is insane is that a business forms to create a product in the world that may or may not be beneficial to people at all, but the value in creating that product and using advertising to coerce the people to buy the product is that shareholders will make money. That's insane. And I believe that that can only happen on our backs because we got confused about sovereignty. I think that that is what the teacher is saying here about sovereignty and merit. I've actually never heard this message in this way from teacher before, so I'm trying to figure it out myself. But that's my sense of it. And I, and I feel like in its own humble way, this radio show, at least for me, is, is showing me what the spirit, is, well, the spirit of the teacher is trying to tell us about sovereignty and owning your power, your right and your responsibility to govern. And if you don't give that up, then you start to really understand the importance of using the power of your action, back to the warrior, your true power of your action to create things in the world that create goodness in the world. And that that has merit. And the weight, the value, the, the not importance, but the meaning of your life grows grows and that with sovereignty it's not just the right to do whatever you want it's the right and the power and with that comes the responsibility to govern your choices well to govern yourself well are you a leader that you would follow into the new world that is what the teacher is calling us out at this time to do All right, as I promised, a trip to the teacher is always also a trip to the trickster. And in my life, sometimes it's just a trip to the trickster <laughs> because I'm such a serious person. Um, and teaching me to have a sense of humor, particularly a sense of humor about myself, was the first task of the spirit world after my shamanic initiation. So, the trickster. It's important, the trickster comes in because the trickster is the energy that is always right here where the rubber meets the road, right here in our actions. The trickster is not for the highfalutin, up in our head kind of thing. The trickster is more the one who's going to create the experience that makes us trip and fall out of our head and into some actual manifestation of reality. So the trickster made this world here with us humans. This is one of the great joys that I have in living my contemporary life shamanically, that the trickster is always in the mix. And for me, without the trickster, I really don't understand what's going on. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, the other explanations of the world from religion to science, to philosophy, never really made very much sense to me until I was forced, and believe me, I personally needed to be forced. 
but none of no, none of these explanations really made any sense to me until I was forced to come to know the trickster. And once the trickster was in the mix, all the other explanations made sense. The aspects of the religious explanation that make sense, the aspects of science, the aspects of philosophy, the, the, they made sense if you added the trickster. And for me, if you pulled the trickster out, which they all try to do, well, actually not science. Well, not good science. Anyway, but if you pull the trickster out, they don't make any sense. Because the truth is the trickster is embedded in our world. And the stories are that trickster had a hand in making the world. That the trickster was the one, the mischievous child of the gods, in a sense, who could add that little hitch in the get-along of the gods as they created the world. Anyway, um, there's a past show in the archives about the trickster. And... Please, I invite you here at the Changing of the Worlds to go listen to that one again. It's going to be really important <laughs> as we move forward into this time. Um, and in that show and in this one, I'm going to speak some from a book by Lewis Hyde. And that book is called Trickster Makes This World. Um, I heard from someone it was out of print, and I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but I'm pretty sure you can find it at Powell's.com which is a wonderful bookstore here in Portland that I'm doing everything I can to make sure that they stay open in this time of everything turning to electronics. Um, so if you'd like to own this book and you can't find it anywhere else, it's probably on the shelves at Powell's and you can order it at powells.com. Um, so I think that my love of the Tao, um, even though I don't really understand it, I mean, I can't read anything about Taoism and get it. Um, I have to fully admit that. But, my, but I love it. But the reason I love it, I believe, is because of the trickster. Because the Tao is so trickstery. And that it always speaks of paradox and this complementary dualism of our physical existence. And though I do not understand it and it makes my little Capricorn brain hurt, I love it. Because it feels right. And that when I think of the problems in my life in that way, the answers that arise are useful. They're helpful. And that's a good thing. So, um, so this physical existence then is what we're talking about. And it's the physical existence where I must act, right? It's where you act. So we are here now at the ending of the world. And at the beginning of a new world. And we are charged with the responsibility to make the new world better than before. I, I believe we're charged with that responsibility. I think that's why we all chose to be here now. Is to participate in this creation of a new world. And to be here at um, an age of maturity within ourselves that we can be participating as adults in that creation. And that we're here to make this, that is our responsibility to make the new world better than before and to learn from our actions, to learn from our past actions and to create, and to create this new world, risking the possibility of something different so that we can be sure that we do not do what we know from our past 
needs to not be done again. Okay, so the trickster schools us about action in the world. And the trickster in particular is almost always trying to get us to see our sovereignty, to tr understand it truly, and to gain in our mastery, and to learn from our heart. These are the things the trickster is caring about. The now, that's not to say that the trickster is, um, you know, loving, and, and I believe the trickster is heartfelt, but heartfelt in the way that crazy woman is, which is willing to simply kill us to save our true self, to save our authentic self. Okay, so the trickster teaches us about how to act on the teacher's message. And this begins by preparing our mind to notice what the world wants you to notice. So I believe the new world doesn't want to be a repeat of the world before. How would you, now, granted there are twins, but that's a different story. How would you want to come into the world and just be a duplicate of your brother or sister before you. That sounds to me phenomenally boring and not anywhere near a good enough reason to incarnate and put up with childhood. So, and I had a lovely childhood, by the way. So I believe the new world wants to be different and that the new world will be asking us to participate in the making of that different new world. That's my belief. That I believe we are pawns in the new world's game. And that I am happy to do my job in that regard. And so that what the trickster is saying is for me to be able to do that, for you to be able to do that, you must prepare your mind to notice what the world wants you to notice. And so Hyde says this, speaking about the trickster. He says this, more conservative minds deprive coincidence of meaning by treating it as background noise or garbage. But the shape-shifting mind pesters that distinction between accident and essence and remakes this world out of whatever happens. Either way, the intelligence that takes accidents seriously is a constant threat to essences. For in the economy of categories, whenever the value of accident changes, so too does the value of essence. And by essence, you could just sort of substitute sort of status quo, what is, right? So the intelligence that takes accidents seriously is a constant threat to the status quo. When the value of, an a of accident changes, so too does the value of essence. So what this is saying then is we need to cultivate a trickstery mind, a shape-shifting mind, an intelligence that takes accidents seriously, that is looking always for that opportunity, for that opening, for that momentary shift that wasn't planned and wasn't supposed to happen that allows something entirely new to occur. This is the trickster mind. And this is the mind I believe we need to cultivate. This mind is clever and cunning, sneaky, and even sometimes when necessary, seductive. This mind can also be absolute like death. But this mind is the intelligence 
that will know how to seize the opportunities in the new world to turn the accidents into profound blessings to turn the chaos into creativity so this is about seizing the moment that others would call an accident that others would dismiss as coincidence so we are moving together here at this time whether we like it or not, into a time of unprecedented change and opportunity and mess. Uh, if we, and if we pay attention to a new order. So we must remember in this that trickster represents the elements of life not accounted for by fate or destiny. Trickster represents the elements of life or trickster represents our way to engage with because we can have a relationship with trickster so that means we can have a relationship with the elements of life not accounted for by fate or destiny so once again we're getting out of the life that is defined by you for you sorry we're getting out of the life that is defined for you by religion and royalty Right? And connecting with the aspect of your life that is beyond fate and destiny. In addition to it, it is that possibility of transformation and change that exists in every moment. We simply need to have that kind of shape-shifting mind that can see the little... Um, do you remember in the Matrix where Neo notices the first time, right in the beginning... Neo notices the cat repeating itself, the mind that notices that accident and exploits it. Okay. So the trickster has the ability to upend our measly human systems like caste systems and secret societies. The trickster reminds us, usually through upset, that it is not in one's hands to change one's lot. Changes are brought about by individual effort. Oh, sorry. I read that wrong. Trickster reminds us, this is, I'm quoting Hyde here. Trickster reminds us, usually through upset, that it is in one's hands to change one's lot. It is in one's hands to change one's lot. Changes are brought about by individual effort, industry, and will, as well as by chance and accident. And this is where Trickster comes in. He is the complement to fate. He represents the elements of life not accounted for by fate or destiny. So, I would hope that right now you are thinking, wow, I need Trister by my side in this adventure. I hope you are making your list right now. Number one. A power object for, for Trickster for my altar. Number two, start journeying to Trickster. Number three, do whatever is necessary to create a working relationship with Trickster by December 21st. Don't worry. Trickster loves shortcuts. There will likely be sacrifices ahead, perhaps some really painful ones, and things are likely to be messy. And, I mean, you know, every, even every new love affair, something most of us would consider a fundamentally good thing. Every new love affair is messy. You know basically where you want the parts to go, but not really how that works most pleasurably with your new partner, right? And most new love affairs 
with all that messiness at the beginning, aren't even trying to make their humble way through the resistance of millions of terrified and powerful people who have invested everything in a ridiculously unsustainable belief system. I'm thinking messiness is ahead, and we aren't even talking yet about the weather. So this too brings us back to Trickster, the mediator at the gap between the manifest human world and the world of spirit. As Hyde explains, it may well be that fate is set in heaven, but it must be played out here on earth. And between heaven and earth, there is a gap inhabited by this shifty mediator, the trickster. The trickster's desire to keep the commerce across the gap lively means there is one key exception to his love of change. Humankind must sacrifice to the gods. That is the single rule that cannot be left to chance. For sacrifice means the commerce between the worlds. Now, I would say this is another place that we have a great misunderstanding, but I won't go into that right now. Understand that it is because of what the warrior told us last week, that our actions show where our heart is. So when I make a sacrifice that shows the spirit world where my heart is, and that sacrifice is the commerce in that void, that gap between my world and the world of spirit, and it is through the art of sacrifice that we are able to communicate profoundly with the spirit world. And so back to Hyde, once there is sacrifice, once the commerce is established, the trickster can begin to play. If people refuse to sacrifice, the trickster will certainly bring them suffering. But if people do sacrifice, he will mix luck into fate's designs. He will open a space for surprise and reversals of fortune. If people do sacrifice, the trickster will mix luck into fate's designs. He will open a space for surprise and reversals of fortune. So how do you approach the sacrifices ahead? You release what must be let go and turn your head to the future. Visualize yourself at that gap. And I mean this, when you are forced, a sacrifice is forced upon you, because I believe there will be many out of our control. So a sacrifice is forced upon you. What do you do? You release it and let it go and turn your head to the future and visualize yourself at that gap. Standing in your sovereignty and speak out to the spirit world. This is my sacrifice. And ask for what you want in exchange. Allow Trickster to mix luck into fate's designs for you. And what about those of you who know what you want to mix into the designs ahead? What about those of you who have shamanic skills to create ritual? What about those of you who are willing to sacrifice now, to step up to that gap now on purpose? Not just because the chaos of life has pushed you there, 
Now, if the chaos of life pushes you there, stand there in your sovereignty, name your sacrifice and ask for what you want in exchange. Absolutely. But what about those of you who know how to go there before you are forced, before you are pushed by the consequences of your life? What about you who are willing to sacrifice now to step up to that gap now and leave that sacrifice and speak up? Ask for what you want the new world to be. That is ultimately the remedy coming from the teacher's teachings. What can we sacrifice now so that leaders arise, so that sovereignty is held by all, and that mastery of our true calling is believed to be the responsibility of every adult? What must we sacrifice now so that we can ask for that in the new world? What must you sacrifice now to be the person the new world wants you to be? Remember always hides wise words. The trickster cannot be trusted. It is a contact that puts us slightly at risk. We open ourselves to disruption whenever we call on him. But it is that opening that allows miracles, the impossible, or that which we desire in. Thank you all for joining me this week. Um, I hope that you are able to get that power object on your altar and start journeying to trickster and step up to that gap now before you're forced to. I also want to comment again that today is the last day for Lenore's Kickstarter campaign for her film, American Ubuntu. Um, she has a ways to go on her campaign and she has only 24 hours to do it. And so for those of you who've been putting that off and thought you might want to do it, um, please go to my website, lastmasscenter.org, click on my link, then you have to click on another link. But anyway, it will take you to Lenore's Kickstarter campaign. And if you like what you find there, I encourage you to, to donate any amount, large or small, to help Lenore to move into the next phase of getting the script that is done into production. Um, may you feel the support of your ancestors and may your actions honor your descendants. And thank you those of you who have already donated to Lenora's campaign. She's a friend and a colleague. She's been on the show many times, and I believe it will be a really great movie, especially if they cast it well. Um, okay, so next week, our guest is Daniel Four. He and I will discuss ancestral healing and why we need this innovative shamanic work if we are to truly create a new world together. Um, the gist of that is we have got to get out from under the burden of the unresolved energies of the ancestors that uh, weigh on us and help keep us making the same decisions over and over and over again. Um, the following week, we'll hear from the visionary and explore this final a dose of wisdom from the great teachers in this time of change. So I give thanks to the spirits who have gathered around us. I give thanks to the ancestors, to the earth below and the sky above and to the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for joining me here this week.